Oh my gosh, guys, that was so good. He just like laid it down. He was spitting game. The entire episode was so beyond valuable. That was really, really good. I know. I just am, I feel like he took all the things inside of my head and said them and shared them. And so eloquently. Right? Literally. Like, you would think that we were talking to Gandhi. It was so amazing. Like, he was just <laughs> to our soul. And he's he's so young. Like, I think that's also, like, crazy to realize, you know? It's like, wow, he is wise beyond his years. I know. So wise beyond his years. It's like, I want to be Ian Wilson. He's, he's an icon. Icon. Seriously. Literal icon. It was so good. I'm so excited for everyone in the audience to listen to this episode. There's so much good info in here. So let's get into it. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to say? I just wanted to say that the entire time I had to keep shaking Molly awake, like hardcore shaking her. She's snoring so hard. Oh, I didn't hear her. Oh, yeah, you were good. She's a mood, though. She's a 3 p.m. on a Tuesday mood. She really is. I love her. Space and Dean Street Law. Flourish is a lush, sustainable, and inspiring co working space in Westchester, Pennsylvania, now brought to you virtually with the We Grow Together podcast. I have with me Lindsay D. Francesco and Casey Flu Hardy, and we are so, so excited today to be speaking with Ian Wilson. He's the founder of Valley Forge Coffee Reserve, a staple at Flourish Coworking Space that we absolutely love, are so obsessed with. Ian, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, everyone. My name is Ian Wilson. I am owner and brewmaster at Valley Forge Coffee Reserve. We are a cold brew and nitro cold brew wholesale supply company that provides kegerator uh, maintenance and services, as well as direct delivery for clients in the greater Philadelphia area. And if anyone has ever met Ian, he's also just the sweetest guy. He's so kind, super friendly, and it is definitely a staple, our keg of coffee. Um, We have cold brew and nitro cold brew, which we love. Whenever I give someone a sample, I'm always like, I always give it to them and I'm like, just try it. And I have to watch for the reaction because it's literally the best coffee. And me, Casey, and Laura are not even coffee drinkers. And we are like so tempted by it. <laughs> <laughs> On a daily basis. And then wasn't it so funny, Lindsay, when we were when we met Ian for the first time, I was buzzing off of the coffee. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Ian, do you remember that when Laura was like tripping over all of her sentences because she had just drank like, had, like a couple sips of nitro? Oh, I remember. I remember spilling that coffee on your floor the first time I met you too. So it was a great, <laughs> great initial experience. It was funny. I love it. Everyone's always like, this doesn't even need creamer because it seriously doesn't. It is the creamiest, smoothest coffee you will seriously ever drink. So I highly recommend everyone try it. But I really want to hear because I'm very interested, Ian. I was on your website and I saw that you kind of were inspired by your trip to Northern Africa and Europe to like create this company. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm excited to hear this story. Absolutely. Yeah. So... 
started in the summer of 2017. I was studying through Penn State and was able to study abroad for a semester in uh, south of France in Provence uh, and in northern Africa in Morocco and in Ethiopia, where I learned about the south of France, about the viticulture, the cultivation of grapes. And then as I turned my studies into northern Africa, uh, we pivoted into coffee as well as, you know, small business in general that was functioning out of Marrakesh City, Morocco specifically. And just fell in love with the agriculture industry and the um, importance of not only you know wine and viticulture to France, but the coffee bean to Northern Africa. Uh, a lot of these communities in Northern Africa rely on the coffee bean as their source of revenue for their families to be able to sustain their communities, um, and it's an integral part to you know how to sustain themselves. So I took that knowledge with me after I finished those studies, and I really wanted to delve into the coffee industry, but I didn't know where to start. So I did market research into specific industries and niches within the coffee industry, which I found cold brew and nitro cold brew to be a largely booming, uh, really popular product that was brand new to the market. So I took my knowledge of coffee roasting that I had found in my studies abroad, brought that back with me to Philadelphia and started the cold brew experiments, if you will. Uh, so I started in my parents' garage on my dad's workbench um, and I just started brewing coffee. I didn't really know anything. I, uh, when I started, it was the winter and the cold brew came out great. And then as the summer came and I was still making on my dad's workbench, uh, the coffee started to turn and, and turn bitter, and I didn't understand why. Well, it was the temperature outside that was changing, that was it affecting my patches of coffee I was creating. So there's a lot of learning throughout this process from going abroad to coming back um, that really sparked my passion in wanting to create a product that helped communities around the world and one that represented myself. You know, that nitro cold brew by the cup I create and is a part of me, you know, and something I'm really passionate about. So when somebody drinks the coffee and says they, they like it um, or they enjoy it, that is really where I get um, my satisfaction from. So, uh, yeah, I've just had a, a great amount of influence from my studies abroad that have really helped me refine what what I'm passionate about. And that's cold brew coffee and nitro cold brew. Well, we're so happy that you're passionate about it because it's such a delicious product. How many years after you graduated Penn State did you officially start selling Valley Forge Coffee Reserve cold brew and nitro cold brew coffee? Right. It was hit the ground running right afterwards. So I, uh, as soon as I came back from that study abroad term, I hit the ground running with the product testing, trying to roast and create you know, a coffee bean that was delicious in a cold brew. And there were probably six months worth of just experimenting and creating a vision and a brand, something that was personal to me that I felt could relate to the people and the community that I grew up in. And that's how I found Valley Forge Coffee Reserve. It 
is Valley Forge National Park is a huge part of our nation's history. It's a place where we fought for our uh, our freedom in the winter of 1777. Uh, you know, General Anthony Wayne of the town of Wayne that I grew up in was on that battlefield that with uh, George Washington. And it is a place I've hiked my whole life. Um, I, I'm an Eagle Scout. I have, you know, uh, done service projects in that in that park. And it's a place that's uh, really personal to me and, uh, you know, my upbringing. So that's where Valley Forge Coffee Reserve derives from. And the branding came, you know, as a result. And I just continued pushing forward until I found that cold brew ratio, that process that was right for me, um, that I was willing and wanted to sell to the public. And did you always know that you wanted to create a business out of this or did it start as a hobby and then turn into a business idea? And if so, what was that like point where you were like, okay, I could actually generate money and start a business through this? Right. It definitely was. It was a dream when, when I, that switch flicked in my head and I understood that my troubles in school and you know, mental health wise were all derived around me trying to find my purpose and something that gives me value as a person. And once I found that there was, there was no turning back. It was, I know what I want and I'm going to do everything in my power to be able to achieve that goal. So it was definitely um, a project at first, but it was always one that I knew I wanted to see through. Have you always been such an entrepreneurial spirit, Ian? Um, I think I've always known that I wanted to work for myself. Uh, it's something that means a lot to me. Being my own boss and being able to grow without the external influence of a superior or somebody who is, you know, I've had bosses. I've had, I've had normal, you know, data nine to five jobs. And I always felt myself being in some way, shape or, or form mentally oppressed. When I got home. I felt as though it was a, almost a day wasted. Um, and in that day I had been, you know, talked down to by my boss or, or it didn't do something right. That was, that was resonating in my mind. And I wanted to be able to take back that power that that employer had over me. And I've always known that since my first job, I've always known I wanted to be my own boss. I just have always been searching for something that derived enough purpose in my life for me to take a, a step off that, you know, off that cliff to be able to jump into something full force. And uh, I think that's always been in me, but it's a skill. It's a, it's a mindset that you have to refine over time and believe in yourself. A hundred percent. And I do think that it's pretty awesome because everyone is driven by different things. So like I'm very purpose driven. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs are very purpose driven, um, where other people, they can be very money driven or very task driven. And I think that that kind of differs. Like my boyfriend, for instance, he, I feel like he can go to the same job and isn't super emotionally involved into what he's doing. Whereas if I go to a job that is very like mundane, like the same thing over and over, then I start to like 
question myself and like ask kind of how you are, like, what is the purpose behind all this? Like, why am I doing this? You know, so I think that everyone is different and it's important to know yourself and know what drives you. Um, I'm wondering, so when you started this, did you, did you self fund everything or did you um, seek investment outside? Uh, So I am hundred percent self-invested from day one. It was something that I saved for to be able to, and you can't, you can never save enough money. Let me put that point across that there, there is not an X number that you need to save to start a business. It will always be more than you anticipate, but I saved a certain amount of money that got me to, you know, a certain plateau and then had to inject more of my personal money. But that's growing a business. And I always knew I, I wanted to have the say in the initial creation of the branding and, you know, the business model of, of this business. Uh, and that's why I'm self-funded because I really, I want to be able to incorporate people into this and employees and, you know, those who have different mindsets about how this business should run in the future. But I knew it was very important from the ground and getting to a place of stability that I wanted to have complete control. And that meant I had to self-fund. I love that. I feel the same way about that 100%. And so when you graduated college, did you have another job that you were working and doing this on the side or did you commit 100% to Valley Forge Coffee Reserve? Yeah, I personally, I had a, a job. I was uh, working at a fine dining restaurant and I was didn't have a yearly salary. It was a place that I enjoyed eating at and I got free food. So that was definitely a large driver of why I worked there. But I knew I needed an alternative source of income to be able to sustain this business in the beginning. One client, two clients, three clients, four clients. You know, that's those initial numbers. You'll be plowing that revenue back into the business to grow. And I knew that. So I knew that this business wasn't something that would sustain me. I knew in the first year. And now, you know, I've completed year two of the business. And I'm at the point where I can put personal expenses on this business, but it was a a waiting game. It was a strategic management of the growth of this business where I knew I had to work, but it was working to the means of an act. And that was to be able to uh, have Valley Forge Coffee Reserve be my full-time job. I love that. I feel like it's so important to share that aspect of the story because I think for someone from the outside, they think that a switch just happened overnight. But it's so important as your company's an infant and really a baby to be supporting your company and not put the stress on your company to support you. And so having savings, making sure that you have additional income, diversifying your income are all good ways to be able to make sure that you're not putting too much pressure on your company because like you said, it's going to require more capital than you expected and additional capital infusions later on down the road. And we experienced the same thing with starting Flourish as well. What have been your greatest challenges that you've had so far? So I would say the the biggest challenge I have found as an entrepreneur have all been pertaining to my internal image of myself and trying to 
understand my own perception of myself and, and grow past that point. Uh, there's a lot of mental obstacles and challenges as an entrepreneur that you have to take on full force, um, even if it's scary to you. And that comes with overcoming self-doubt, you know, the fear of the unknown and failure as a whole. And all three of those are, you know, they're very scary things to address one-on-one, -on -one, you yourself and, and what you are feeling. And I think personal growth is a huge proponent to the success of an entrepreneur. And that for me has been a, uh, initially a roadblock and one that I was forced to overcome, but because I wanted to, to be able to, to grow my business properly, to be a good boss, to be a, a good uh, supplier to my clients. The, the roadblocks that each and every one of us put up for ourselves are sometimes the hardest obstacles to overcome. And I would say that entrepreneurship forces you to think outside of those parameters and to challenge yourself to not only be better for yourself, but better for others um, and to be able to have that impact for others. And another challenge would be, you know, learning to enjoy the process. There is, uh, I think, this perception of entrepreneurs that there is this summit that you are climbing this mountain towards. And each step is a step towards the summit. And then one day you're going to look out and see everything in front of you. And you're at the peak of this mountain when, in fact, if you as an entrepreneur are not enjoying the process of the day to day, of the everyday obstacles and challenges, which are way more prevalent than any successes, are, that you're doing it wrong. And you have to learn to understand that the process is being an entrepreneur. And you have to learn to love it and learn to be patient um, because patience is absolutely the key through uh, growth, you know, personally and through your business. I think that that's such a powerful message. And I think it's easy for people to kind of have a perception of entrepreneurship as this kind of glamorized career. But I think in reality, there is a lot of obstacles in the midst of all success. And it isn't just very easy I'm also curious because earlier in the episode, you talked about how you kind of had to overcome mental struggles when you were doing things that weren't your purpose. And then when you had found kind of making cold brew that it kind of clicked for you, what advice could you give to someone who's trying to find their purpose and feels a little out of line right now and just hasn't found it? Yeah. Well, I would say, um, first off, keep going. You know, you're not in this alone. And the majority of people can empathize with the feelings that you're feeling that you're searching for this purpose. And it's an empty feeling sometimes to feel like that purpose hasn't been found and you're, you know, measuring yourself by your age and by other people and what they're doing. But no, uh, your personal purpose has no timeline. And the only way that you will find that purpose is like anything else in life by actively searching and by actively thinking about it, put that thought into your headspace and manifest it, whatever it may be. Before I left for France and for Northern Africa, I was home, I was a student at Penn State, 
And I was miserable because it was like, what am I getting my degree for? This international business degree. I have no idea what in business I'm interested in. Um, and I knew I was just getting this degree, but I knew I needed to take myself out of my environment. I had this itching feeling inside of me that was like, I need to remove myself from this constipated environment where I feel the same way every day. And I internally felt like I needed to take that step outward. And I'm so glad that I did because that's what searching for it is. I use the reference to a switch of a moment, but that happens after many, many years of searching. And it wasn't like it was one day, it was a feeling. It wasn't like it was an actual switch. It was just a feeling of, com not of completeness, but of purpose. I felt like I could help others and better myself and, and start a business. And it checked off all the boxes of things that I wanted to do. It wasn't that cold brew was the thing. It was that cold brew was the vessel for me to be able to help and check off all the boxes that I wanted to be able to check off to feel like I had a sense of purpose. So based on me saying this, just keep actively searching, keep delving into new interests, into things that scare you. And through those experiences, you will find where your purpose may lie, but you never will if you're in the same environment, if you're not challenging yourself to see more. Definitely. And I think that it's, it's so important too, because what you put your energy towards is what grows and you really do have to plant that seed. And a lot of times it's not like this big aha moment, but the more things that you try, the more that you learn and the more that you learn about yourself. And that's kind of what being an entrepreneur requires. Absolutely. I just, oh, I'm so obsessed with everything that you said. I feel like mm -hmm. I just want to replay that a little bit over and over again because even someone further along in my career and everything, I feel like I've experienced those same exact things that you're describing of feeling that year after year of searching for, and, and like you said, not just cold brew being the purpose, but being the vessel for you to feel like you're achieving your purpose and feel like you're able to hit all of the things that you want to hit. I just think that you're incredibly inspiring and have so much to share. Do you have sources that you lean to to get inspiration from or resources or guidance along the way? Absolutely. An entrepreneur is, is only as good as his support system. While I am a sole proprietor and, and sole employee of this business right now, I would not be where I am without the mentorship that I've received um, in my life. Uh, and to answer your question about specific people in my life, the Uncommon Individual Foundation, which I'd like to reference, is a nonprofit based in Wayne, and they facilitate giving uh, interns and mentors to small business owners locally. And they're an amazing nonprofit organization and resource for small businesses. So I implore you to check them out, um, UIF, Uncommon Individual Foundation. And they matched me with a mentor who is Bill Koshevsky, the co-founder of Victory Brewing Company. And he has been just an absolute rock star and uh, a wealth of information about the beverage industry, Grand Shoe Beer and Cold Brew. 
aren't exactly the same. They don't have the same brewing processes, but the beverage industry, you know, it's a very uniform industry where it's just, even though they're different products, there's a similar supply chain process. And he started his business in his father's garage 25 years ago, the year that I was born, actually, 1995. So this man has literally been working on this business since I was born. So he has my lifetime's worth of experience, and it has been a wealth of information that I never thought personally I would have access to. Um, a point that I would like to make for anybody listening is that there is, in my mind, as an entrepreneur, this uh, law of gravitation, uh, a momentum of sorts that as you continue pushing forward with your business, with your idea, this purpose, I've found that the more you drive forward through roadblocks, the more that you continually walk down this path, the more momentum you gain and the more people are attracted to you that you need in order to fulfill that goal. And I never thought I would be mentored by, you know, a founder of Victory Brewing Company, one of my favorite beer producers, but I am now. And it's because I've invested the time and have cared enough to the point where this foundation said, Hey, we have a resource for you. And, and then the rest is history, but every entrepreneur needs a mentor. They need somebody who can understand the entrepreneurial mindset and understand and support where you want to get to because you need support and you need, you need people that believe in your goal, even if they're not directly correlated or invested in your business, you need people that believe in where you're going. And those are the people that you rely on. That's incredible. And I, I think it's actually so crazy how kind of your businesses, you know, started in kind of, it seems like a parallel way, you know, he was brewing at home in his garage and you started your business you know, at home as well. I think that's incredible. So it's almost like looking at a mirror image too, kind of. And I have no doubt in my mind that you'll be equally, if not more successful too. I just love how much value and purpose you put behind your company. I think that that's also a driving force in, you know, a success of a company. It's not like you were saying, you know, it, the culprit's the vessel, but your purpose and meaning behind it, you use fair tree coffee beans and can you just speak a little bit on, you know, the value and purpose behind your, your company and why it's important for other businesses to focus on that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, building a business, you don't have the, um, the capital to be able to initially give back. But I feel as though any, any quality purpose, any business should have in mind in the creation and fruition of the business to be able to grow to a point where you're able to give back, you know, either to your surrounding community, um, you know, to your employees in whatever way that you can. And Valley Forge Coffee Reserve, since day one, has always been based around that. Um, not only buying coffee beans from those uh, family farms, from co-op farms in uh, different countries, but also donating a portion of our proceeds to Phil Abundance, which is a nonprofit, uh, the largest nonprofit hunger relief organization in Philadelphia, where they uh, give non-perishable goods to the homeless, to those in need. And I have worked with Phil Abundance since I was in middle school. 
I was, you know, middle school clubs, high school clubs. It was called Stoga Abundance because I went to Conestoga High School. And uh, yeah, I've always been incorporated and always felt that that nonprofit is worthwhile and the money that you donate goes to the right places and helps the right people. And uh, Philadelphia is a community like every other right now. And there are plenty of people that are in need and I can't give my coffee. They won't accept my coffee, but I can give, you know, a portion of money that goes towards buying canned goods and things that can be given to, you know, those in my communities. So that's always been a staple of what I wanted for Valley Forge Coffee Reserve. And I've been able to extend that further recently. My business has, like all businesses, retrenched in this time because we are a wholesaler and the majority of the businesses that we're supplying to are closed. So that's afforded me the opportunity and time to be able to donate our products to different people, uh, to nurses, to, you know, essential workers, to those that are uh, risking their health right now to sustain everything about our lifestyle and, and to help save our loved ones. You know, that is where I'm now focusing my energy to give, you know, coffee to those who are, they need it. So that's why I say derive a sense of purpose. I, the purpose from this company and for me has, has always been a lot of things, you know, to be my own boss, to derive a sense of purpose out of my life to, because I love cold brew, but all of these are vessels to be able to give back to others. And right now is the time of need. So this is the time when businesses and small businesses, which I've seen, what, a, what an awesome landscape has been created by small businesses giving back to those who are in need right now. And, you know, that is the reason why small businesses are so great, because they are the community and they support the community when they're in need. I am so impressed with everything that you're doing to give back. I'm going to be honest, we've been working with Ian for a long while and he's quite humble and I had not heard a bit of this before and I wish that I had known because as much as we shout out all of the things that are amazing about Valley Forge Coffee Reserve and we tell everybody how smooth it is, I now have a long list of other things to be able to share and I'm just so proud of everything that you're doing. I think it takes an exceptional human being to have that foresight and fortitude to act with such giving attitude and generosity in a time that every, I, you know, everybody's being challenged right now. And I'm just really proud of everything that you're doing. Thank you, Laura. I have a question. Um, working with Ian is absolutely incredible. He is just the best with sales and customer experience. I feel like you really know what you're doing in terms of customer experience. Can you give a little bit of advice for other business owners on how to create such a good quality customer experience for their business and their customers? Yeah, absolutely. So customer experience is, you know, it goes kind of back to kindergarten a little bit. Uh, yeah, the golden rule. And it really is at, at the core of, of all of this. It is, you know, treating others as you would like to be treated. And that's the core central for me in customer experience. It derives from, you know, respect, mutual respect that you have to have for all people that you need in life and diligence, you know, you have to be diligent. And the only way that you are diligent is like we talked about before, it's taking pride in what you do. 
because it derives that purpose in your life. And when you feel that that purpose is meaningful, customer service comes naturally. It is something that you want to do. And I genuinely enjoy coming to Flourish Coworking Space, changing the kegs, the draft lines, the conversation, getting to catch up with Laura and Lindsay and Casey. And, you know, the overall experience of that, that is something that gives me value and I enjoy doing, but it's because the occupation which I've created, this business which I have manifested is something that derives purpose within me and I get a currency. I get satisfaction from giving good customer experience and giving a good service to my customers. Um, And that is like we talked about previously, using your business as a vessel to make a positive impact on everyone that you meet. And whether it be at a co-working space or at a cafe or a barbershop or a a church, you know, I, I supply for a large niche of companies, but my, my demeanor never changes because people are people. And as long as, you know, you do what you have intended and, and said you would do and you treat them with respect. Um, you know, I don't think that you can go wrong. And Godford Coffee Reserve provides not only the maintenance of, of kegerators, but like Flourish can attest to, I provide the service of delegating the purchasing of kegerator systems specifically for what you need in a business. And I personally deliver kegs. All of these things aren't necessary for my business to operate. I could do less, but I don't want to. And my business is succeeding because, and personal relationships are being manifested because I care. I care about my products, I care about my business, and I care about the people that I take care of. And that's what I would say, you know, really all encompasses good customer service. It's just caring about the people that you're dealing with and caring about the product that you're serving. I think that that's awesome and such good advice. It truly emanates from everything that you do. I mean, I had literally told Casey, Casey, I think the keg is tapped. And then when I walked downstairs... (laughs) Ian was there and I was like, Casey, didn't I just tell you that the keg was tapped? Yeah, he literally came the same day. I was mind blown. Mind blown. Your customer service is out of this world. You've mentioned the word manifest three times so far and I'm super curious how, what does that mean to you and do you have a practice of manifestation or can you explain more about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, manifesting something that previous to my business, I kind of scoffed at a little bit because I think that until you actively participate, it's not something that it's not something that feels real. And for me, learning the process of, of what manifesting is, is manifesting to me is something that means so much to you. That's so purposeful and so that you will do anything to create that. And that is truly manifestation to me. Something that is a goal. We talk about taking small steps, you know, entrepreneurship, the path of entrepreneurship, like I said, is, you know, it's not a a peak of a mountain, but it is many short-term goals. It's not one long-term goal. It's it's completing many short-term goals towards the completion, towards the idea and 
the ever refined vision of what that end product is. I'll speak from experience here. What I'm trying to manifest in my life right now is an ongoing image. And my image in my head that I'm manifesting actively is having a production facility in Bridgeport, Conchi, Manion, Philly, wherever around my hometown, where I can have big brewing vessels where instead of beer inside, it's cold brew coffee. And I'm making a crap ton of it. I'm making, you know, hundreds of gallons a day inside of these drums. And I have a canning line and I can can and make nitro cold brew and cold brew by the can, which can be distributed, uh, which is not something I've been able to do yet, um, to you know, grocery stores, to your Whole Foods, to your beer distributors. And then I also want to actively have that wholesale environment where right now I'm building my clientele outside of that building. And I also want a little cafe inside where people can come in and have the nitro on draft, get a little experience of what Valley Forge Coffee Reserve is and see what, in my mind, my, what this business should, the experience of it should be. So I'm actively working towards this goal, which is this big building with all these things inside of it. But every day that I complete a short-term goal, something that's one little step towards that, that's manifesting. And I am continually manifesting and refining where each of those pieces go inside of that building every single day so that I know when that day comes, I know exactly where that bar stool is going. I know exactly where that pot's going because I've thought about it every day for the past 10 years to get to this point because it meant enough to me. And that's what I mean by manifesting. It's something that is, takes a lot of short-term goals and a lot of tenacity and dedication, but it is something that derives so much purpose that the end goal is inevitable. I'm obsessed with that. And I can tell you that the world will be such a happier place when your cold brew nitro is in grocery stores because then everyone can get a taste of it and they can understand what we're talking about. <laughs> and I love that you weave in the experience into your dream and vision because I think people would love that so much to be part of your scene and experience. You truly have a whole brand and identity and experience woven into your company, which I really love. Definitely. And I think that this was just such an inspiring conversation. I was actually going to ask at the end of this, what does the future look like for Valley Forge Coffee Reserve? But I feel like that's basically what's going to be it because I have no doubt that if that's what you're manifesting, that is what will happen. I agree. And I think that that international business degree will end up taking you internationally. I can see Valley Forge Coffee Reserve everywhere and I'm excited. Rebrand it, Paris Coffee Reserve. I like it. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I love that. Ian, can you share with, can you share with everybody where they can find you? Yeah. Well, in the current environment, uh, there are only two locations that are currently open, you know, given the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and they're both in Hoboken, New Jersey, if you can believe it, but they are two cafes. One's on Washington street. One's on Madison street. They're open three days a week, and they have my nitro cold brew and regular cold brew on tap. Um, and I believe that they're selectively, by uh, giving quantity, allowing customers in their door. 
Otherwise, Valley Forge Coffee Reserve has an online site where we ship our uh, roasts by the pounds. We can do that all over uh, the United States. And we also locally sell our, are still selling our kegs, three gallon, five gallon, and nitro cold brew growlers, uh, which are glass growlers, 64 ounces, like you would buy at a bar that we fill up with our cold brew and can deliver locally as well. Um, so that's really uh, the limiting factor right now. Uh, the amount of locations open, as I, you know, Flourish can attest to. Um, but we are looking towards the future optimistically. At Valley Fruits Coffee Reserve, we have really pivoted our strategy to be able to, we're looking to acquire capital right now. We were already in the process of acquiring a small business loan before COVID-19 happened. And once all of this happens, the traditional loan process is stopped. So we are, like many businesses, waiting to hear back from the Treasury and the CARES Act to be able to acquire a low interest rate small business loan. But after that point, after we receive that funding, which I'm anticipating we will, we're going to hit the ground running and uh, purchase a refrigerated van. I'm going to uh, employ my first two part-time employees. And that's really what the future of Valley Forge Golf Reserve looks like for 2020. Oh my gosh, that, that's so amazing. So exciting. And of course, you we have free cold brew and nitro cold brew on tap at Flourish Co-working Space as soon as we open up. And you can also find Ian on Instagram at VF Coffee Reserve. He has a great talent with photography, so you'll have to check him out. DM him, send him some love. You comment, let him know what your favorite part of the episode was. You shared so many gems with us that were so inspiring and insightful. Thank you so much, Ian. No problem. It was my Thank pleasure. Guys. It was great to talk to you. I missed you guys. Oh, we missed you too. I know. It's so nice catching up too. Thanks, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Yeah, guys, stay safe. I hope your families are doing well. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us for this episode of the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Instagram at Flourish Westchester. You can follow me, Laura, at Laura M. Francesco. You can find me at Sweet Green Soul. And you can find me at Casey Flo. Make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We have such an awesome giveaway going where you can get each episode. We're announcing a winner of a month free at Flourish Coworking Space in Westchester. And even if you're not local to the area, be sure to rate, subscribe, and review because you'll also win access to our workshops that we've done, including the social media workshop and the money management workshop, all of our tools and take-homes and some other fun goodies. So be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we so appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, guys. Dean Street Law is our sister company.
I'm Laura DeFrancesco, founder and CEO of Dean Street Law. It's a corporate law firm that helps you with everything corporate law and has tons of free resources and guides on our website that you can find everything from protecting your company from liability, forming a startup, and the different types of entities, all the way to intellectual property and social media. So if you'd like some free information on the legal aspects of your business, head over to deanstreetlaw.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at Dean Street Law. We provide a lot of free information. And always feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Thank you. Bye.